0: that Paul made to Timothy as he was writing to him. Paul, the the mentor, the the, uh, missionary, the long time servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, writing a letter to the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy. And he talks to him about being a pastor, he talks to him about being a Christian, he talks to him about growing in his spiritual life. And that ought to be and I think with most of us, it is a goal that we have. We want, we want to be more like what Jesus wants us to be, what God has called us to be. But when we start looking at these things that Paul said to Timothy, you realize that it, it, they're not simple. You know, these are not things that are just easy to do. They, they require a little bit of discipline. They require a little bit of effort. Paul actually calls it discipline. Uh, the old church fathers called them spiritual disciplines that we have in order to, to try to be what God has called us to be or He needs us to be in His world, working with folks and working with the lost, working with Christian brothers and sisters. And uh, we looked at it, we, we started by talking about motives. Paul talked to Timothy he says, "Keep your motives pure you know be sure you're working for the right thing and then he says keep growing in Christ and he says make prayer an integral part of your life a way of life for you stay focused on things that matter you know don't get off track stay focused on the on the important things walk in the spirit's power measure success by God's standards we're successful if we if we measure by God's standards and not by the world's standards. Then we talked about friendships. Guard your closest relationships. Stay, stay close with those who are, are near and dear to you. And then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about purity. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure in the gospel. Keep yourself pure, morally pure in, in your life and in your lifestyle. And then last week we talked about the word of god timothy master the word of god know what god's word says know how to use god's word in a way that is meaningful to to those who who are around and and because they're not easy sometimes we're tempted to just quit to to just go ahead and live out the rest of our life without even trying i'll bet you if i ask you if i bet you if i went around Every one of you could name a Christian who, at some point, had just decided to quit trying. So I want to show you a picture of the of the frog that never quit. Sydney, can you put, put that little picture up there? It's, it's I don't have a whole presentation for you. I just have that one picture. I love that picture. The stork has him in his. He's got his head in his mouth. He's trying to swallow him. And the frog has his. Grip around the stork's neck, and he's not going to give up. He's never, ever going to give up. Uh, I had a poster of that that I had in the wall in of my office for for 25 years. It was one that uh, every time church folks got to get started getting under my skin, I'd look at that picture and say, "Never give up, Pastor. Never, never, ever give up." Never quit, and that's the last suggestion that Paul gives to Timothy. That I want to look. You can, you can get rid of that now, Sydney. I don't want people <laughs> looking at the frog the rest of the day. Um, if you, if you go online, and just type in "stork never give up," you get all kinds of different pictures of those, including some. Uh, live pictures, some real pictures of a stork trying to swallow a frog, and the frog won't give up. Uh, One of them, the frog has his his front feet on the top bill, no, on the bottom bill of the stork, his bottom feet on the top bill of the stork, and he's pushing like this, and the stork's trying to swallow him. I guess those frogs are pretty tough folks. You know, they they don't want to give up. So maybe I should preach, be a frog for Jesus, you know. (laughs) Don't give up. Keep at it. Keep doing what you can. I read a story uh, a couple of years ago uh, about the uh, catcher for the uh, Boston Red Sox. I hate to bring the Red Sox up in a holy setting. But uh, let me just, just say this, this about this. The, the Red Sox were playing the Rangers. And uh, it was back in the early 2000s. And the Red Sox were ahead of the Rangers 4-2. to two. They had runners on first and second with nobody out. And Scott Hatterberg, the catcher for the Red Sox, came to bat. He hit the ball. He hit a sharp line drive but it went right to the ranger shortstop, who at that time happened to be Alex Rodriguez. Rodriguez caught the line drive, flipped the ball immediately to the second baseman, because the guy had come off a second base, and he stepped on the base and got the guy who was on second base, and the guy coming from first base was still running, he just reached down and tagged him. And so there was a triple play the very absolutely worst play you can have as a batter is to hit into a triple play. And so that's what Hattaberg did. He fired up the Rangers, and in the next inning, they took the lead, and, uh, and they were ahead. In the sixth inning, Boston loaded the bases, and Hattaberg came to bat again with the bases loaded. Now, think about that. If it had been like some of us in our spiritual life, our thought process would have gone something like this. Man, I've been in this position before, and I let my team down. I embarrassed myself. Maybe I better talk to the coach and come out for a pinch hitter. Maybe I ought to let somebody else do this. Maybe anybody who could do better than me, I ought to let them do this. If there's no one else to do that, coach, I'll go ahead and try. And he did, he stepped up to the plate and he hit the fourth pitch over the fence for a grand slam home run. In Major League Baseball, he is the only player in Major League history to both hit into a double play, I mean a triple play, the worst play you can have, and then the next time up, hit a, home, a grand slam home run, which is the best. best at bat a batter can have. You know, what, what a difference it makes. It, Paul was saying that to Timothy. Timothy, don't quit. Don't give up. Just because you messed up, it's not the time to quit. Keep it up, never give up, keep going. He says it kind of like this in chapter 4 and verse 7 of 2 Timothy. He says, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he gives him a picture of a soldier. He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So things weren't easy, but he says to Timothy, keep enduring it. Keep up. Keep enduring it with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In uh, 2 Timothy 4, 5, he says, Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge your duties of ministry. And then he talks about some of the difficult circumstances. You know, just because a person is a good Christian, just because a person is a successful Christian, just because a person is... uh, a, a honorable, gospel living Christian doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. Amen. And so when things are hard, we try not to quit. We must not quit. We should never give up. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says this For I, he's talking about himself, Paul, he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. Now this is a, an explicit picture of how Paul is thinking. My life, Paul says, has reached the point where it must be sacrificed. Where it has to be poured out like a drink offering. And And the word here means to pour it out on the ground. My life should it could be poured out on the ground at this point. The the Roman meal, a formal Roman meal, ended with kind of a sacrifice when the host took a cup of wine and he poured it out in honor of the gods, whichever gods ruled in that house, and they poured that cup of wine out. And and that's the word that Paul uses here. It's as if he is saying, okay, the day is ended. It's time to rise up and go. I am pouring my life out as a drink offering to the Lord, as a sacrifice to God. And when Paul was writing this, you you get the idea. He's not thinking of himself as being executed. But you know, that's what's about to happen. Paul is about to be executed by, by the Romans. But he doesn't look at his, think of himself as going to be executed. His thought was, I am offering my life to God. I'm giving my life as a sacrifice. Paul says, "My life is not being taken from me. I'm laying it down. I'm giving it up." Ever since his conversion on the road to Damascus, Paul had offered everything to God. He offered his his talents, his money, his scholarship, his strength, his time, the vigor of his body, the acuteness of his mind, the devotion of his passionate heart. He had offered everything to God. God had everything of Paul. And so he comes to the end and Paul says, now I offer my life. And I'm glad to lay down my life for Jesus Christ. And, and what he is saying to Timothy, what he's showing Timothy in that passage is that as long as you have life, Don't ever let any of your circumstances keep you from growing spiritually. Don't let them keep you from being what God's called you to be. Because, I promise, you're going to encounter difficult times. If you try to live for Jesus, you're going to encounter difficult. For one thing, you're going to encounter some difficult people. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, he talks about uh, Demas. He says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. You know, some people are going to disappoint you as a Christian. They're going to let you down, just like Demas let Paul down. If you've never been disappointed by others, it's because you've never depended on others. If you depend on people, some of them are going to let you down. And, and we expect better from some folks than, than they give. They're people who make poor choices. And it's, and it's like we suffer the consequences because they made the poor choices. And, and that happens. And you got to know that it's going to happen. And perhaps we think, well, if that's the way they're gonna be, I'll just give up on them. Or maybe we say, "I'll just give up on people altogether." Or maybe we say, "You know, the po- folks at the church disappoint me. I'll just give up on church. I'll give up on Christians. We, we, we give up because of what other peoples do, other people do for us. Paul was greatly disappointed in Demas. There are three mentions of Demas in Paul's letters. He talks about this guy, Demas, three times. We don't know a lot about him. We don't know who he was or, or, or very much about him at all. But it very well may be that in the tragedies of Demas, we or in the story of Demas, in the mentions of Demas, we have the story of a tragedy. In Philemon, verse 24, Paul lists Demas among a group of men whom he calls his fellow laborers. And so Demas is his fellow laborer. In Colossians chapter 4, he mentions Demas a second time, and this time he just mentions his name. He doesn't say anything positive or negative or all. He just, he just mentions his name. And then here, in this passage in 2 Timothy, it is Demas who has forsaken Paul because he loves the present world. Demas the fellow laborer, Demas Demas the deserter who loves the world. There's a history of, of degeneration there. Bit by bit, the fellow laborer has become the deserter, and the title of honor has become the name of shame. But Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't give up. Don't quit. So there's some people who will disappoint you. There's some people who will intentionally try to hurt you. Do you believe that? There's some people who their intention is to do you harm. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.14, he says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Timothy, you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. And at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now we don't know what Alexander did. The, the context here is that Alexander is a, is a person who is in Ephesus, who is one of the members of the, the uh, community there where uh, Timothy is the pastor in Ephesus. And when from looking at it and kind of reading between the lines, you can uh, kind of deduce what Paul was talking about. The word that Paul uses for he did me a great deal of harm means the, the literal meaning of the word is that he put me on display. He put me on display. And it was used uh, for someone who... Informed on somebody who uh, told stories about somebody uh, informers were one of the great curses in Rome at this time because people sought to curry favor for themselves and receive rewards by giving false information about others I read a story about uh, a man in Oklahoma who was convicted of of murder and sentenced to die in the electric chair. And the person who gave the testimony against him that gave him the electric chair had been given a reward by the police for their testimony. In other words, it was a person who was in jail and they gave the testimony that they heard this guy say in jail that he had committed the murder. And as a result, that person had the charges against them dropped. That's the word that's used here. Alexander, in some way or another, trying to curry uh, favor with the magistrates for himself, turned against Paul and sought to ruin him in the most dishonorable way. And I'll promise you that if you try to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to feel like there are people who are intentionally trying to harm you. They want to do you bad. And Alexander was that kind of a person for Paul. And he's warning Timothy, he's still there. So you be careful, he might try to harm you too. So Timothy, be careful. But don't quit. Don't give up. And then he says, remember the one who enlisted you. Remember the one who called you. In chapter 2, verse 3 of 2 Timothy He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on and he says, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, you know, you're not here to please others. Timothy, you're not here to keep Demas happy. You're not here to do what Alexander the the metalsmith tells you to do don't let your spiritual growth depend on those who would hurt you or who would disappoint you you are here because of the person who enlisted you the commanding officer is the one who you're trying to please and who was the commanding officer that enlisted timothy it was the lord jesus himself he is our commanding officer he's he's the one that we're working for and trying to please and so he says Stay the course. Follow the course laid out by the the Lord. And then he gives us two reasons why we don't have the luxury of quitting. The first one is this we have a ministry to fulfill. And he says to Timothy, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Then in verse 5 of chapter 4, he says, Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all the duties of ministry. Then in chapter 8 of of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own person, his own purpose and grace. The grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed. And you know this verse. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Paul says, Timothy, keep looking to God. Keep looking to Jesus. Don't try to please Demas. Don't try to please the coppersmith. Please God. Please God the work god has given us to do can only be accomplished as we continue to grow and minister effectively and it's important it's important how, how important well in chapter 4 verse 1 of second timothy paul says you're going to be give, you are going to give an account for your service he says in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom I give you this charge in Second Timothy 4 and verse 8 he says now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge who will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all those who have longed for his appearing he says there is going to be a day you give an account for your service there's going to be a crowning reward. I um, read a story in the news this last week or so about a guy that uh, he was in his late 80s. I don't remember exactly his age, 89, 90, somewhere, somewhere there. And uh, he was playing golf. He'd been playing golf his whole life, he'd been playing golf since he was a teenager and, and he, was, he was playing golf and on the 11th hole he made a hole-in-one 80-something years old and he had never done it before it was the very first hole-in-one he'd ever made <coughs> he played one more hole and he said you know I don't think I can top that and he never played golf again His hips were bothering him, and it was kind of painful. And so he just quit. And I thought about that. Standing there on the green, receiving the adulation from taking that ball out of the hole with only one shot. One of these days, you and I are going to stand on the final green and give an account for the life that we've lived Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, never give up. Keep going. Keep working. Because there's in store for me, Paul says, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus will give me on that day. And then he says, and not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. So so he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, not just me, but to you and all who have longed for it. And not only just to those who, who are in the first century but to all of us in this room right here Paul is saying God has a reward for us who, who work and live and never give up in the ministry we seek to do for the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> and the reward will be great the word that he uh, mentions here in the, in the games in Greece you know that's where the the olympic games began but this was even before that the the greatest prize that you could get the the prize that the victor was crowned with was a a laurel wreath made out of of uh, branches and it would come to the athlete the the winner he was crowned with it and and they strove for that crown and paul's idea was this They strive, they work, they they try, they play, they, they work at it, and eventually they receive this crown. And in a few days, it's going to wither and dry up, and they'll put it away. But on that day, I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And what Paul is saying is that in that moment, the verdict of men does not amount to anything it's the verdict of God that I'm working for and Paul knew I think Paul knew that in a very short time he was going to stand before the Roman judgment seat in a very short time he was going to stand there and and he knew that his trial could only have one end The emperor, we we think the emperor at that time, was Nero. And Paul knew what Nero thought of Christians. Paul knew what Nero's verdict would be. But he also knew what God's verdict would be. The man whose life is dedicated to Jesus Christ is indifferent to the verdict of men. I don't care what Nero says to me as long as I hear the master say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then I kind of jumped ahead, but then, then Paul still sounds another note that this crown awaits not only him, but it awaits all of those with the expectation of the coming of the king. It's like Paul was saying to young Timothy, Timothy, my end is near. I know that I'm going to my reward. If you follow my steps, you will find the same confidence and the same joy when the end comes to you. And the joy that Paul, and, and, and the peace and the serenity with which Paul faced the end is open to every person who fights the fight, who finishes the race, who keeps the faith, You know, there's those that won't. I may be talking to some here that'll quit the race. They'll they'll give it up. I I don't know. But uh, Paul says, Timothy, the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. I want to say that again because this speaks to our day. This speaks very directly to our day. Paul says the time is coming when people will not put up with strong doctrine, sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desire, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But, Timothy, you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. It's my goal to fight the good fight. It's my goal to never quit Believing God's word. Even if every other pastor in the country turns his back on God's word. It's my goal as long as I'm preaching to you every week that you hear the message of God's word. Even if people don't want to hear it anymore. And a lot of folks don't want to hear it anymore. We want to fight the good fight. We want to stay the course. Never let the ministry be other than the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Timothy, church, never, ever give up.